I'm excited about the word of the Lord this morning. Word that is directed to us as dads, as fathers, but is very relevant for all of us here. Especially those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. We're talking about building the boundaries. Once a teacher asked one of her students, Mary, do you know what Father's Day is? And Mary sheepishly replied, Teacher, Father's Day is the leftovers of Mother's Day. And the reality is, is that men, you wouldn't be a dad without mom. And we have so much to owe them, but today I have a special word for you. It's good that we understand our place. It's good that we often understand our place as dad the ATM and dad the overseer and dad the fixer. But today I want us to understand our role as dad, the one who makes the boundaries. This isn't going to be some kind of help to you in setting boundaries in the relationship, setting boundaries with your children. This isn't going to be that kind of thing where I tell you, you need to make sure that you are affirmative and firm whenever you tell them to turn the lights off for once in a while. Or when you are firm and affirmative in telling them, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Dad should get an award for all the talking they do in those thousand times, right? But today is geared towards us as dads in establishing a boundary of faith. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. And Proverbs 23.22 says, Listen to your father who begot you, who gave you your name, and do not despise your mother when she is old. The language that the Scriptures often use when dealing with fathers and with mothers tells us a bit about what is expected of us. The words foolish and listen in those verses, as concerning the Father, signal to us that our goal as dads is instruction and wisdom. And the words bitterness and despise suggest that the mother is here is there for compassion, for love, and nurture. And so as we dive in today, let's understand our role as dad in instruction and wisdom, in setting the boundaries. If you have your Bibles, take and turn to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, and I'm going to begin in verse 28 of 22, and we'll work down through chapter 23. Something very important about the text here before we begin is Solomon, as he sits and writes these Proverbs, you'll notice time and time again through chapters 20, 21, 22, 23, that he continually says, my son, listen, my son, hear my words. Solomon, in writing these Proverbs, was not writing to a grand group on an expose on wisdom. Solomon was sitting in his portico, I'm sure, and looking at his son and saying, Listen to me, son. This 
is what you need to know. And in doing so, established and set the boundaries. If you have a copy of God's Word, Proverbs 22 and verse 28, let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 28. Do not move the ancient boundary that your fathers have set. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy, but do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will, not, you will vomit up the morsels that you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Again in verse 10. Do not move an ancient boundary or enter the fields of the fatherless. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you knowing that you're our Father. That because of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, we have been adopted into the air to the inheritance of you. And God, I pray that you would let us understand as dads here on earth that in the same way that you correct and discipline and set the boundary of righteousness and wisdom, that we are to do so with our children. Challenge us today. Move in our hearts today. God, let your word speak to us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would almost consider the message today a tribute to honor the greatest dad I know, my dad. I look at the lineage and legacy of fatherhood in my own family, and it brings life to the message that we find in Proverbs twenty twenty eight: Do not remove the boundaries of your fathers. I even had a dream about my papa last night. And as I always remember him, he stood tall at five foot six and exemplified fatherhood. I was reminiscing about my grandpa Roy this week. And I remember how big his heart was for the Lord inside that 140 pound frame of his. And of course, in preparing for today, I looked to my father. Many of you know him, but not like I do. My best friend, my mentor, the one who built the boundaries in and around my life. You see, I didn't have to look very far to find a righteous man when I was growing up. I just had to take a walk down the hallway. Dads, I don't know about you this morning, but more than the accolades and the admiration of my children, I want my children to know what righteousness looked like 
as it's lived as it's lived out. I want them to know what the word of the Lord is. I want them to know how they should act in it. If we accomplish nothing else as fathers in this lifetime, let our children at least know who Jesus is and at least be committed to following him. When we talk about building boundaries, we need to make sure that we're putting the right boundaries out there. Two things for you this morning. First is boundaries that define the world and righteousness. Boundaries that define the world and righteousness. When Solomon pens these words, when he speaks them out, do not move the ancient boundary that your fathers have set. There is more there than just what sits around Jerusalem and around Israel. Solomon is speaking bilaterally, not only in the physical, do not move that which God has ordained and set as His land for His people. But listen to me and do not move that which God has set in His Word by His Spirit for His people. I believe there's four things that Solomon speaks to in this. First is conduct. Chapter 23, verses 1 through 4. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you. The words here imply be alert to your actions. Put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. It seems extreme, but what Solomon wanted to communicate here was that in our conduct, we should be so for what God wants. So for righteousness that we are able to control ourselves even to the point of saying, you know what, I deny myself this. The world would define conduct differently. I've had several conversations over the last few weeks with different individuals about the move of justification in the church. And I'm not talking about justification as it pertains to Christ, but I'm talking about justification as it pertains to sin. You see, there's a, there's a grand movement now within Christian circles that would let us lean heavy on grace and little on righteousness. Let us lean so far into what it looks like to be like the world and less into what it looks like to be like Jesus. We like to misappropriate the text where Paul says, I've become all things to all men so that I may gain a few in order to go out and fulfill our own selfish desires, our own pursuit of sin, rather than clinging to righteousness and understanding the text and how Paul meant it. Fathers, dads, we've taken the back seat and we've been on the back burner when it comes to our children's conduct far too long we've allowed the world to define what it means to behave haven't we we've allowed the media we've allowed teachers we've allowed society culture government to determine 
what is righteousness for our children rather than pointing them to the Word of God and telling them, this is what the Word of the Lord says in your life. This is how God determines that we should act. This is behavior that is becoming of someone looking after Christ. Boundaries define the world and righteousness in our conduct. But also in our contentment. Look at verse 5. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings. Do not toil, in verse 4, to acquire wealth. Listen. Solomon understood that if we find our contentment, and if anybody, Solomon would have understood this, if we find our contentment in the things of this world, then if we define the boundary of what it means to be content by what the world is telling us, then we will ever be an empty pool that is trying to gain more and more, that we will push ourselves to the extremes. All to try to be happy. Dan, are you modeling contentment for your child? Or are you still pushing 60 hours a week? Just to make a few extra bucks. Dad, are you modeling contentment for your child? Or are you buying the latest and greatest because you have to have it? Dad, are you teaching your children what it means to be content as Paul says in Philippians that Christ alone is my contentment. I have found in all things, whether rich or poor, to be content. Are we teaching that to our children? Third, boundaries that define the world in righteousness in our company. Verse 6, do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he's like one who's in, inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will waste your pleasant words on him. Solomon's communicating, listen, pick your friends and pick them wisely. Dad, are you teaching that to your children? Are you still hanging out with those same old guys that every time around them you don't look anything like Jesus? We must be careful of the company we take if we are ever going to teach our children. We love to tell our children that, don't we? Let's be honest. We love to tell our children, especially when they get in trouble because they're hanging out with that one friend. We love to tell our children, hey, you need to, watch, you need to pick your friends better. How many times could our kids turn around back at us with that question? If we're going to define the boundaries between the world and righteousness, we must teach our children what it means to surround yourself with wise people. With those like-minded in Christ. I'm not saying that we shelter and harbor our kids away from the world. Listen, you ought to have lost friends too. 
What I'm telling you is, just as Solomon's trying to say here, is listen, you need to be very, very selective with those that are closest to you because what will happen is because, honestly, we have this whole idea that we'll change them and what happens is we often are the ones who are changed. You know why that is? I've explained this to teenager after teenager after teenager when it comes to picking friends, when it comes to picking those that they date. Listen, it is far easier for you as a human to sin than it is for them as a human to come to righteousness. That is why when you put yourself in that mix in a, in, in a good intention of the gospel, yes, I'm going to be friends with all the lost people that I can, and I'm going to hang around them as much as I can so that they get Jesus in on them. The problem is is that you are just as much flesh as they are. The only difference is that you've been bought with a price that Jesus gave His blood and you accepted that sacrifice. And you're in a relationship with Him. But that doesn't mean that you're exempt from the call of sin in your life. We've got to teach them the boundaries between the world and righteousness when it comes to company. Finally, in communication. Verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. How many fools do you think Solomon spoke to? Think about that. Solomon, the wisest king. How many fools do you think approached his throne? How many times do you think he said, this is not a good argument? Come back. Solomon understood what it meant to be in good communication, what it meant to define the boundary of communicating like the world and communicating like a righteous follower of Jesus. Sometimes things get lost in communication, don't they, Dad? 17-year-old boy was out with his friends one night. He realized that it was Father's Day and he had forgotten to even wish his dad a happy Father's Day. Immediately, he hurried into a card shop and picked a card out for his dad. However, he was disappointed to only find two Father's Day cards left. He reluctantly picked one and presented it to his father. On opening it, his father was puzzled to see the message contained in. You've been like a father to me. The young boy quickly explained, well, it was either this card or the one that said, now that I'm a father too. Sometimes things get lost in communication. It happens between us and our children. It happens between us and our wives. It happens between us and the world. But dad, you need to begin to define the boundary of what it means to communicate in a righteous manner. How does that imply in our lives? How does that apply to us? Dad, how do you communicate with your wife? You want to know something that is just astounding? Dad, your son will treat his wife exactly as you treat yours. 
Dad, your daughter will seek out a man who treats her exactly like you treat your wife. We set the boundaries. We build them. Let's make sure that we're defining the boundary between the world and righteousness. Secondly, let's make sure that we define the boundaries. Boundaries that define sin and wisdom. Boundaries that define sin and wisdom. It's the same four things here. We need to define the boundaries between sin and wisdom when it comes to our conduct and our children's conduct. Chapter 23 and verse 10, Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Love that verse. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from hell. Love that verse too. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Listen, we need to make sure that we're defining the boundaries of sin and wisdom when it comes to the conduct of our children. We cannot be those who allow things. Listen to me, church. We cannot be those who allow things. In your home, Dad, there ought to be discipline for sin. Let me say that again. In your home, Dad, there ought to be discipline for sin. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am anybody else right now. Listen, we need to make sure that our children understand what the boundary is between doing right and doing wrong. If we don't, the world is full of folks who will. Satan would love nothing more than to teach your child how to justify every sin that they can. It's our job to set the boundary between sin and wisdom. We need to teach them that the wise way is good. Find your way through Proverbs and you'll find Scripture after Scripture about the way of the wise. We need to teach our children the boundary between sin and wisdom in contentment. Look at verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. You need to remind your children that sin is temporary. Jesus is eternal. We need to remind our children that even though it may look like the sinners of the world are on top of the world, we have an eternal reward that is far greater than anything in this life. That's hard to teach children. But it's a worthwhile thing to do. Children don't understand this whole the world isn't fair game. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't understand it sometimes either. 
this verse speaks to me in my heart maybe more than it does speak to me as I'm fathering my children because it's hard for me sometimes to look over at the wicked, to look at the ways of the wicked, to look at their lives and see, well, they're doing just fine. They have no bills that they're paying. They're doing just fine. They've got beautiful family. They've got everything in order. And I'm over here trying to keep my head above water, trying to make sure that my family's at least doing what they're supposed to. All the time, just working my fingers to the bone. Yeah, it's hard to not look at sinners and envy. But, continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future. And your hope will not be cut off. Teach your children contentment. Yeah, sin is pleasurable. Yes, it would be good. Yes, sometimes it's good to sleep in on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's good to go on vacation rather than pay our tithes. Sometimes it's good to do that. But listen, it's sin. And we need to make sure that we're defining it as sin. Teach our children that wisdom, the way of the Lord, is what will benefit in the end. We need to teach our children the boundary between sin and wisdom when it comes to company. Hear, my son, verse 19. There Solomon says it again. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Do not be, or be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will cloth them with rags. We need to teach our children the wisdom of being around the righteous. Finally, in communication. Teaching them the boundary, defining the boundary between sin and wisdom when it comes to our communication. Verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Solomon says, listen to your father. Buy truth. We need to teach our children the value of truth. The truth of the Scripture and the truth in life. We need to teach our children the value of the truth. To seek the truth. To find the truth. To buy it. It shows that we have commitment in it. That we have stock in it. Do not sell it. By wisdom, instruction, and understanding. We need to teach our children what it means to seek after wisdom. Dad, do your children know that you read your Bible? Do your children know 
that you seek after the Lord on a daily basis? Have you defined the boundary between sin and wisdom when it comes to your own personal life? Do your children know it? I've been blessed in my life. I had a dad who poured over the scriptures. And not because he was a pastor. Because he loved God with everything that was in him. I learned all that I needed to learn about righteousness. All I needed to learn about what was sinful and what was wise, what was worldly and what was righteous, I learned it all from that man down the hallway. Dads, you have more of an impact in following Jesus than you ever do in your sit-down lectures. You dads know what I'm talking about. I sat through hours and hours and hours of lectures as a child. I would almost even beg my dad just to take me and go give me a spanking. Dad, I don't want to listen to you talk anymore. I learned a lot through those, but I think I learned more by watching man of God live it out in front of me remember all the coaching sessions my dad is a competitor he's an avid basketball player an avid golfer I'm better than him at all those things now mainly because he's old and I learned a lot from those coaching sessions But I can tell you, I learned more about righteousness. More about wisdom in communication by watching him. Watching him go play a game that he loves. Watching him interact with people. Watching him at ball games tell my mom to calm down and quit yelling at the refs. Even watching him stand up and yell at him once himself. I learned righteousness from that man. Dad, are you going to have that impact? More than accolades, more than the fact that you were a provider, more than the fact that you were always there, more than the fact that your kids admire you for the strong man, the career man, the, the able teacher, the amazing husband that you are. More than those things, don't you want your kids to stand up and say, that man was righteous, and I want to follow that. That's my challenge to you today. Be the dad. It's my challenge to myself. Be the dad that his children will not want to move the boundaries that he has set. Let's pray together.
by way of invitation this morning. Here's what I'd like us to do. We've got, we've got some folks in and around our church that are hurting, that are going through some big time stuff right now. Some hard life stuff. I just want us to take a moment and lift them up. Brandon Inman's been on my heart all this week. I know he's been on many of your hearts. He's going to have surgery this week, hopefully to figure things out. Would you pray for that? Think of those that uh, have been battling cancer, battling different stages of it, battling different treatments, battling different things. Would you lift them up? Spend some time in prayer. Us unified as a body, lifting them up. Here's an invitation for you. Dad, do you have some things that you need to make right in order to define the boundaries in your life? This altar's here. Come and work that out with the Lord. Work it out right where you are. Maybe you're here today and you're not a member of this church. Maybe, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to I want you to listen to me. God established a whole lot of boundaries. He gave us the law. He gave us His Word. And said, if you are going to enter a relationship with me, you must be perfect. If you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven for eternity, you must be perfect. And as you can probably imagine, none of us fit that bill. But, because he's a good father, he gave us an opportunity. You see, he sent his only son to die on a cross for you and I to pay the sacrifice, the penalty for our sins, and his shed blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how we can enter a relationship with God the Father. And he adopts us in as sons and daughters to pour out his grace and his mercy, his blessing upon us. You can do that today. You can accept that gift. Just come take me by the hand and say, hey, I want to be saved. We can talk through that. Let's spend a few moments in prayer. What an appropriate song. I need thee every hour. He's a heavenly father that we need. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for sending your son for us. We thank you for grace. Blood of Jesus Christ that can be placed over us. Make us righteous. 
in your sight. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to define righteousness in our life. That we would set the boundaries between what the world says and what you say in our lives. God, I pray. I pray for our children that they would see. God, I pray for our church. Pray for those who are hurting right now. God, I pray for those who this is their first Father's Day without their father, their earthly father. God, I pray you would comfort them. That your spirit would flood sweet memories in them. God, I pray for those who are struggling with cancer. Those who are dealing with chronic illnesses. God, I pray that you would God, I pray that you would intervene in mighty ways for your glory. God, we trust your will. God, we ask. As humans, as flesh, we ask for healing. We ask for deliverance. God, we pray for Brandon this week. God, I pray that you would comfort. God, that you would give deliverance, that you would give clarity through that. God, I pray for these here. I know there's many things happening in our lives. I know that there's broken homes. There's battling homes here. I know that there are wayward children. I know that there are bills mounting up that paychecks can't cover. God, I pray, God, that you would show yourself in our lives. God, as, as Jehovah Jireh, God, as as our deliverer and our provider, as, as the one who the one who sees us and holds us, the one who causes all things to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, we we pray that you would bless. God, I, I pray for this offering that we're about to take. God, I pray that you would find us faithful in giving. You would find us faithful in doing what you've called us to. God, I pray that you would find our church faithful in stewarding, managing that which is yours. God, I pray that you would bring the increase, that you would be glorified in the end, that it would be of you and for you and by you. God, we give it to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.